Celtics play-by-play guy Drew Carter joins the show talking about the Celtics at the half point, life on the road, life with Scal, and Corky's. It's all right now on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry O.B. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Raining Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And I got you covered every day with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device if you're a subscriber. So make sure you're subscribed, whichever device you use, whichever subscription service you use, it's all there. Watch the show on YouTube, hop in the comment section, let me know what you're thinking. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I played ball a long time ago. No one needs to know about that anymore. Uh, Today's show, is brought to you by Prize Picks, easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA. Use the code lockdown NBA, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Drew Carter, Celtics' new road play by play voice, the uh, heir to the Mike Gorman throne, joins the show. Later on, we get into some, some of the basketball stuff. I kind of want this to be a little bit more of an introductory, a uh, little get to know him a little bit better. Uh, we get into his love and fascination with corgis and all of that stuff later in the show. But let's just get to know him. Let's get right to the conversation here with Drew Carter. All right, big big moment here on the podcast. Drew Carter, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, JK. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, so it's good to finally make it happen. And we were talking about this before, but look at that headline. The halfway point of the season. Yeah. a lot of pressure. <laughs> pressure for me. This is a big podcast. This is a big podcast. I hope your record with this podcast is better than your record on the road. Oh, God. Uh, so, so let's get this out of the. Let's just let's just do it now. Let's just do it now. Uh, the Celtics are twenty and zero at home with Mike Gorman. They're one and zero on the road with yeah, Mike Gorman. He's perfect. Um, you have uh, well, TNT did the the Milwaukee game, so that's yeah. I think that's the only national broadcast on the road. So what's that? Eleven and eight for you. Yeah, I'm hovering above 500, hovering. Mm. Um, and mm. I know you were at the game yesterday, so you might not have seen this, but PJ Carlesimo joined the broadcast for, I think, the second quarter on. Okay. And uh, they were giving me a hard time because Mike just won the National Sports Sportscast- Media Association, Massachusetts yeah. Sportscaster of the Year for the third time, I think. And so they brought it back with Abby doing a sideline hit, congratulating Mike, and then they put on the graphic – Mike is 20 and 0, now 21 and 0 after the win over San Antonio. And PJ was like, Look, if I'm Joe Missoula, I'm not letting another broadcaster come in. We don't need another announcer. I'm trying to convince Mike to stay on for another year because he is perfect. Now, here's the thing, JK. I think I'm calling a home game next month. I think still trying to figure oh. out all the moving pieces. And if we're undefeated at home going into that game, you oh can bet God, I will pressure. be pooping my pants oh because, dude you know how this town is like people will actually blame me if the celtics lose that a hundred percent yes and they would be right no it's it's <laughs> yes. uh no it, okay but in a serious serious question though because you actually 
get to call losses. And, and I'm, I mean, I mean that like you, you, you have the privilege of seeing the Celtics kind of screw up and pay for it. And, and that's meaningful because you get to see the mistakes that they make and, and we don't get to see a whole lot of that. What have you noticed with the Celtics in those games where like they don't put it together as opposed to these games where we're used to seeing them at home and, and, you know, figuring a way through. I think, you know, Cedric Maxwell asked me once earlier in the season, what's your biggest concern with the team? And, you know, Max, he's like a super nice guy. So he probably didn't actually care what my thoughts were, but he was just <laughs> being nice because I was thinking, Max, you're the guy who actually knows this game at a high level. Like I should be asking you that question. Um, but at that point, I think we were in, I think it was in November still. So we we're super early in the season and feeling great about the team in first place as, as they are now. And I was like, I think the only thing I'm worried about is injury, honestly. Um, because to me, the team is is assembled so well, and they seem to really enjoy playing with each other. Like to a level, I know it's my first year in the NBA, but I've never seen an NBA team really gel like this right away. Mm-hmm. Like everyone on the roster, it seems like put that photo from the plane on social media. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you because know, they all just really enjoy being around each other and playing with each other. I think, and then we've heard all about the sacrifice and guys giving up their shots and how it's worked like that. So. I, I said at that point, I think the only concern is injury. But as I've watched a couple losses, as as you've said, I have called a couple losses. I think my biggest concern would be if if we get bogged down in late game situations. I think if you look at the pace numbers, our pace goes way down in the fourth quarter typically, which is not mm-hmm. abnormal, um, especially in the playoffs where the game really slows down. But even in the regular season, in the fourth quarter, it's just – you know, it's not cutting time and it's more ISO heavy and it's not like a guy, it's not that guys get nervous. It's just every possession means a little bit more. So it's not as free flowing. And one of the problems when you have really good players, uh, especially with JT and JB, is they're both good enough to ISO and create their own shot and shoot with under five seconds on the shot clock. I think if we can play the way that we do for the first three quarters in the fourth, uh, we're going to be just fine. The only thing I really worry about is late game offense, and you've seen it bite us a couple times. Like I think back to mm-hmm. that Minnesota game where Anthony Edwards outscored the Celtics by himself in overtime, and I was getting some messages on Twitter like, we get it, dude, you're from Minnesota. You don't have to talk so much about Anthony Edwards. I'm like, would you rather <laughs> lose to a really good player than a bum? Uh, and he was incredible in that game, right? But mm-hmm. he outdueled the Celtics' stars. Um, and I think when you get into a one-on-one or a – a two-on-one, whether it's JP, JB and JT, then you you open yourself up to that possibility. But when the Celtics are playing, as we've heard Joe Mazzulla call it, Celtics basketball, I think they're going to be really hard to beat. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Like, I think some of these road games, you know, it, it's it's tougher on the road. It's tougher to play these other teams at home. Um, and the Celtics, as I've mentioned on the on the show before, still have one of the best road records in the league like it's it's hard it's hard to win on the road and they are like percentage points behind the the a a team i forget who it was but a team that's played four fewer road maybe milwaukee or okc they have good road records yeah um where is this i'm gonna okay here's the uh celtics are 12 and 9 on the road 
There's uh, a Western Conference. There's an uh, Oklahoma City's eleven and eight, so yeah. they've played fewer. Um, the Suns are ten and seven. I think that that's a better percentage uh, overall. But that's seventeen road games as, as opposed to the twenty-one that the Celtics have played. They've had you know, we're forty-one games into the schedule here. They've played twenty-one road games right. already. You know, so they they have um, they have that big seven-game homestand coming up. What what are you going to do during the seven game homestand? What was Drew Carter do when the Celtics have two weeks at home? I've got my itinerary: um, Aruba, Turks and Caicos. No, just <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not taking any vacation. Uh, I have my mistress is ESPN. I'm married mm-hmm. to the Celtics, but I still do some work at ESPN. So I'll be sure. I'll be stepping out, doing some uh, some sports centers, some college hoops, some lacrosse. So. We'll keep the schedule busy. Lacrosse. Damn, man. Yeah. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to give you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Let's start with Gigi Jackson, Memphis needs shot creation, and he can do it. He's shown flashes, uh, so he's worth checking out. Mason Plumley, the new starter for at least four weeks for the Clippers. He can be a serviceable, serviceable center for your fantasy team. Jabari Walker, if you want to take a flyer, he started next to Jeremy Grant, and so he could have some value. Marvin Bagley with Daniel Gafford in concussion protocol. He has a shot at some nice minutes for his new team in the short term, but I'm going to focus on Aaron Neesmith, whose role should be more secure now in Indiana with Bruce Brown gone. His shooting and defensive value is an important element there for getting those fantasy minutes and playing alongside Pascal Siakam, who's going to draw some of that defense, suck in the defense with his ability to get into the paint. I think Neesmith's going to have even more opportunities to go out there and shoot. So if he is available somewhere in your fantasy uh, league, I would say this would be a great time to pick him up or start, if you have him, play him a, a lot more than you might have been by now. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly from brake kits LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Go check out Lockdown Sports today. It's the first ever 24-7 streaming channel here on YouTube. Go check it out. Forget all the fake argument shows. Get real meaningful conversation 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a fun way to keep up with all the big sports stories. Now let's get back to the conversation with Drew Carter. You're you're kind of like uh, Grandy in a way. Grandy is like the... The man does not stop working. He covers yeah. and he does all the Celtics road games. And then he goes like leaves a Celtics game and goes and does like MMA, then sleeps for 45 minutes, and then wakes up and does something else. Is the guy the guy is like the the voice of 20 different things? Uh, are you that type of person? Are you just gonna always 
be like, yeah, I can't just do one job. I got to do 10 different things. Well, I, I like doing all that stuff. That's the thing, JK. It's like, it sounds pretty corny, but my favorite thing to do is talk about sports. I would be doing that even if I weren't working. Um, and I feel like it's really, really fun to share a game with the audience. So yeah. it's it's my favorite thing to do. When I started at ESPN uh, in 2021, I moved up to Connecticut, even though I, I didn't technically have to in my contract or anything. I was hired as a play-by-play announcer, so I could have traveled from wherever. But I was living in Alabama at the time. I had spent two years there. I was ready for something new. And I really wanted to do some studio stuff. So I just moved up there because they're going to like they'll fly in Herm Edwards from California for studio work. I'm not going to fly Drew Carter in from Alabama. (laughs) Like I got to be there and be available as a utility. So I moved up there. And what I told some of my bosses is I'll work 365 days of the year if you'll let me. And I remember one of them saying, don't tell us that because we'll take you up on it. CSPN, they have like eight different networks. And I'm yeah. like, you know, you'll probably be right one day where I don't want to do that. But for now, like I'm young, single, like let's do it. Let's ride. Let's yeah. call as many games as possible. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that the, now's the time to, to, to really get out there. Um, okay. I got, I got to ask you about the voice. Um, Cause that stands out. Now I'm a, I'm a graduate of Emerson college. And we had, um, I chose Emerson over Syracuse. Uh, by really? I did. I did. I chose How Emerson dare over you? Syracuse. Why yeah, I know. That? Yes, because I know you're a Syracuse guy. Hey, on the scale of like obnoxious to, oh my God, get this insufferable bastard out of my face. <laughs> how big of a Syracuse kind of like crazed lunatic are you? Well, instead of answering that with my words, I'll answer it with this. If you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> the Newhouse little, School of Communications, yeah, uh, this little yeah. squishy basketball Newhouse. Pretty, I'd say, mm-hmm. you know, here's the thing, J.K. I would say I like to joke about being obnoxious because I know what people think of Syracuse. You know, people are like, oh, yeah. here, we, here we go with another. <laughs> Even PJ on the broadcast yesterday, he's like, you don't need a new announcer. You're undefeated, especially not one from Syracuse because he's yeah. an old Big East guy. He's got ties to Seton Hall. But I love it. So am I. Well, I, okay, nice. So anyway, I think that my Syracuse obnoxiousness level varies depending on what we're talking about. If we're talking about the sports teams, I'm not obnoxious. I'm not like Dave McMenamin <laughs> from ESPN, where if you say one negative thing about the basketball program, he's going to ice you. I'm more like, yeah, we're not that good this year. I get it. Like, that's okay. Yeah. But when it comes to our broadcasting program, I will plant my flag. Not- and and yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, hey, yeah. look, it's not even close. It's it's Larry Bird in the three-point shootout who's coming inside. <laughs> it's, it's not even a contest. So I, I will say that Emerson, Emerson, Syracuse, I uh, was like uh was it North Northwestern, Ithaca. Like there's a there's a there's a, a class photo of elite broadcasting schools that uh I think uh Emerson, I, I will plant my flag in the Emerson broadcasting program for sure. Dude, JK, uh, I toured Emerson. When I was a, a junior in college, spring break, all my friends were in like Cabo or whatever. And my dad and I, and then my mom met me when we went, went south. We went on an East Coast college trip, which mm-hmm. started in Boston. So I looked at BU, which I loved. And it's funny you brought up Sean Grandy. He's a BU guy. And Syracuse mm-hmm. was also his second choice. But BU probably would have been my second choice, right? So it's funny how yeah. life works out. Loved BU, loved Emerson. I thought it was so cool how we were like right on the – Boston Common, basically, during the yeah. tour, uh, and then went down the East Coast and fell in love with Syracuse and 
decided I wanted to go there, but I did yeah. look at Emerson. I remember a lot of theater kids at Emerson. Lots of theater kids. Main memory. Lots yeah. of theater kids. Yeah. Uh, I remember getting ready for a basketball game and I'm in my pump up mode. I've got the music blasting mm -hmm. and there's like theater kids in the room next door, just pounding show tunes. And I'm like, this is not conducive to <laughs> me playing well on the court. But I will say I, I did pick the number 44 for Derek Coleman when I was in high school, but, but that's how old I am. But yeah. I loved, I loved the Syracuse, uh, that Syracuse team with Ronnie Cycli and, and Derek Coleman and um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pearl. Uh, that's a little bit there. older. You're not that no, old. I'm not that old, but anyway, that was, that was like, yeah, I was always disappointed in Derek Coleman as a pro. Cause I'm like, God, this guy could yeah. have been the best power forward ever. But anyway, side Although, note. J.K., you know, he was he was disappointing, but sneaky, decent pro career. Like, not a total bust, like some people, I no, think, remember him as. He he half-assed his way to a really good career. That's how good he was. Right. He just could have been better than Tim Duncan, in my opinion. Nice. But anyway, side note. So anyway, so at Emerson, we had a, a class called Voice and Articulation. Uh, was there, was there a, a, a class that got you this voice, or were you like – at four years old, going like, goo goo gaga, ma, ma, milk, please. Did you have, is this just a God given voice or are you, did that take some work to refine? We did not have a voice and articulation class at Syracuse. Oh, we man. Made the wrong decision. We had my, this, I had the worst Rhode Island accent, the worst. And I don't know if people know what the Rhode Island accent is. It no. is the, the worst possible mix of New York and Massachusetts. And they, they meet in Rhode Island and it is awful. It is the most unsexy accent a, a person can have. The voice and articulation class like stripped you through a lot of negative repetition and to, to, to get to this generic kind of yeah. voice, teach you how to speak with a more open throat. So you're not nasally. You're not like, you know, all constricted in the, you know, in the throat, speak from your diaphragm a little bit more. Yeah. yeah that was, that was all in preparation. Like a, a, a conveyor belt, just strip you of every personality in your voice, get you to a generic thing. And then when you go scattershot across the country, you just kind of fit in like tofu because it was the most generic accent. You went from the most unsexy accent to the easily the, the most sexy accent in Celtics. Oh, podcasting. yeah. Very, easily. very generic. Yeah, there's nothing sexier than generic. That's what yeah. all the women have always told me. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. It's exciting. It's fun because all you have to do is pick two to six players, see their projections that Prize Picks sets, and say more or less. It's a very simple game. It's hard to get them all right because if you do get them all right, you can get 25 times your money. So go check it out. You don't even have to win all six to get 25 times your money. You can get something uh, or you can just stick with two and who knows. So go have some fun. You can combine basketball with other sports in their specials league. You can pick of your six players. One can be a football player. One can be a basketball player. One can be a golfer. You can go have some fun and mix it up. You can be sure that your player is going to be uh, available to you because they offer a reboot policy. If one of your players is hurt in the first half and does not come back, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. So they've got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, 
an enormous selection of players, stat types that make this easily the number one daily fantasy sports app. So go to prizepicks.com slash NBA. And as a bonus, if you use the code LOCKDOWNNBA, you get a first deposit match up to $100. prizepicks.com slash NBA. That code is NBA, all lowercase. Whatever you deposit up to $100, they will match it. So go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Thanks for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Go check out Lockdown NBA, which I host on Wednesdays with Jake Madison. We got you covered for the whole league. It's rotating hosts all week long. So the biggest story in the NBA, the biggest stories, all kinds of fun on Lockdown NBA. Find it where you found this podcast. Let's wrap it up here with Drew Carter. It's funny because not to get too serious about this, but following Mike, who is so he's so different from everybody else. He's unique, right? Mm-hmm. Mike is a one of one and he's from Dorchester and he's been doing this forever. People are so comfortable with him. I think it might be a little bit jarring for Celtics fans to hear me on half the games and him on half the games. Cause we do the job differently. We sound different. And it's sort of given me like an identity crisis kind of at the start, because I didn't know how much I should try to be like Mike you know, to quote one of my favorite movies yeah. back in the day, or if I should just be myself and be authentic. And that's kind of where I've landed. And Mike has been great with that, you know, echoing that point, like you got to be yourself, you got to be you. And same thing with the other mentors I've talked to, because I was like really nervous about this. It's a lot of pressure following that guy. It's like being the dude who followed Tom Brady. And obviously that yeah. didn't go very well for the Patriots. Yeah. So I've thought about this a lot. And in terms of, you know, where my voice comes from, I, I was a kid who like grew up watching Sports Center, and that basically dictated which sports I cared about. I mean, I grew up in Minnesota, and I wasn't even a huge hockey fan because they didn't talk about it on ESPN because they didn't have the deal anymore. <laughs> if I grew up in the 80s when ESPN did have hockey, I would have been a huge hockey fan. Uh, but I was more of a hoops football guy because that's what they talked about on, on the Worldwide Leader. And just watching sports for my entire life, I think that's where I developed my own voice. And then when I got to Syracuse, to answer your question, no, we did not have like a voice and articulation class, but doing radio. And one thing I tell everybody who's like coming up in the business is I think it's good for everybody to start in radio because you learn about performance and you learn how to handle your voice before you have to worry about all that other BS, like wearing makeup and how does my hair look? And, <laughs> you know, Do I have to turn to the camera or turn to my partner? Or how much do I do that? You just got to focus on how you sound first. And then once that sort of becomes grilled in, then you can think about the other stuff with TV. Um, So doing radio, I think, is where I developed it. And, you know, it's funny when you were saying that stuff about like speaking from your diaphragm and opening up your throat or whatever. Like I I remember a professor of mine. He had us all stand up. This was in like a journalism class. So it wasn't a, a performance class. It was just about journalism. He had us all stand up and he said, take a deep breath. And he watched as like everybody's chest rose. Yes. Like, no, you want, you really want to breathe from your stomach because then, then you're going to have like a fuller breath and it'll allow you to sound a little more authoritative. So it's kind of been like bits and pieces throughout my whole life, I guess. We did that same thing. It's, 
it's so wild going to a broadcasting school list that I have no knowledge of so many things that yeah. are actually important in life, but right. I did take a performance for television class and that was important. Yeah. Uh, so. mean, meanwhile, all your classmates are going to parties and learning how to interact with people like a normal mm. human being. I, I missed out on all that, which is why I'm such a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. It's something about sitting here in my basement in front of a camera and lights and feeling completely comfortable doing this. Right. Uh, so, okay. So what's it like being, um, Brian Scalabrini's favorite nephew? Uh, how's that relationship developed? And like, because you, you just talk about turning to your partner and all of that stuff and you, you can't, we know watching the broadcast when the two people don't have a good rapport and you seem, you seem to have one scowl over pretty quickly mostly with your puns and the little phrases that you come up with. I think I, my read, you tell me if I'm wrong. My read is at first Scal didn't know what the hell to do with you. And, <laughs> and then pretty quickly he was like, okay, I dig this dude. He's, he's a, you are different than Mike. Yeah. You're completely different than Mike. And, and that's good. That's actually good. Uh, in my opinion, because Mike is Mike and he's awesome. And, and you, you're a hundred percent on the nose when you say you got to come in and be your authentic self. Cause that's, I see people come up to you at the games and, and say the same thing. It's like, no one can ever replace Mike, but you're really good. And like that, I think is the best compliment you can get, especially at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I think Scal kind of like, was like, okay, this kid, uh, you know, talk about being the opposite of Mike, but like, yeah, I, I, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm digging this. I'm, I'm vibing with this. Is that is that like a fair representation of of your evolution through four you know half a season with Scal? I think so, and I, I think it's a lesson in authenticity too, um, because as we just discussed, like I'm a huge dork, and I think that's pretty <laughs> obvious when you watch the show. Um, and Scal's not like Scal's a guy who grew up as a hooper and played in the NBA and speaks the NBA, and I could have tried to fit it. What's that? He loves to bust balls. He loves, loves to. to throw. Yeah. He's not from Boston, but you'd think he is based on how he, you know, interacts yeah. with people. He, he yes. told me once, if I'm nice to you, that means I don't like you. Like if That's I'm right. busting your balls, then, then yeah. we're in. And that to me seems like a very Boston ideology. 100%. And um, I don't know, man. I just feel like Scal has really taken me under his wing from the jump like from the first time we ever worked together jk like we met right before we did the demo tape and that was in mid-may when we called Sixers celtics game six which was in philly but it was a national game so scal was in the studio doing the pre-game halftime post-game coverage and in the first and second and part of the third quarter he came in this podcast studio with me and we just called the game and we literally met like two minutes before we started and I thought from the jump, we just hit it off really, really well. And that was probably the most encouraging moment for me in the whole job process, which, by the way, I never thought I was going to get it until I did. Um, but the time I felt the best about it probably was when Scal and I were working together. And there was a moment, I can't remember what the call was, but let's say it's like a transition layup. And I, I called it. And instead of like analyzing the play, Scal looked across the table at me and was like, that was a great call. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> didn't realize you were breaking the fourth wall, but thank you. Um, and so I just feel like from from the moment we first met, Scal's been awesome. I think part of the reason is we have some mutual friends. Like he 
he knows my buddy Noah Eagle, who's one of my good friends. We were roommates in college, and they've done some stuff together, I think, on Sirius. Um, so we have connections, and he's just been, like, super, super cool to me. And Honestly, John, he's one of the funniest dudes I've ever met, to the point that I've actually started writing down some of his quotes if I ever <laughs> want to write a book. Um, like, I'll just give you an example. Can we swear on this podcast, by the way? Like, what's the I'll bleep it out. Okay. I'll bleep, right, it out. I'll bleep it out. We're on the descent into Oklahoma City a couple weeks ago. Scal opens the window, sees all the expansive farmland with nothing there. He goes, why do people want to go to Mars? Just colonize Oklahoma City. There's so much <laughs> in space here. <laughs> I'm just like, who says that? Like, I've never heard anyone say anything like that. So it's, it's stuff like that, yeah. that that to me is hilarious. And probably the the most rewarding part of the job so far is the relationship that we've developed. Scal sees the world in a very unique way. He does. That's for sure. Um, and quick, quick-witted. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I had a sweater on at the uh, at the game yesterday, uh, the Spurs game, and uh, it was a nice for me. I'm I'm six five, so I'm a big dude, and for me, it was like a big bulky sweater. And he's like, "That looks like a Kyle Kuzma sweater." <laughs> just the yep. big, like, and he just just leaned into me for my yeah. Kyle Kuzma sweater. It was a good uh, luck, though. I remember. I appreciate that, um, but he's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he he's quick. He's quick with them, uh, yeah. and and it's, it it does force you to, to to stay on your feet. You're I I love the rapport that you guys have built already, uh, and and the lines you come up with, uh, the one I tweeted it out about Jalen Brown, uh, the king of jam goes jelly because he yeah. went for a layup. What what the hell, man? Where do you come? <laughs> did, did that just come to your head, or like are you sitting there in the morning like drinking a coffee? And it, you're like, oh, that would be good. Where, where does that come from? <laughs> that one that you're referring to, that was organic. Uh, it was organic jam, which would probably run you like eight ninety nine at Whole Foods. But it was, <laughs> it was organic. And the reason I think the the reason that came up is because like, so Jalen Brown has more dunks than anybody his size in the NBA. And we ran a stat the other night. He's kind of a unicorn in his own right. He's like the only guy with a certain number of dunks and three-pointers in the NBA. Um, and so the whole season, part of Jalen Brown's story has been he's like the best dunker in game in the league, I think it's fair to say. And so when he laid that in, I was expecting him to dunk it. And so the gears started turning and I'm thinking, what do you like? What do you call it when it looks like a guy's going to dunk and then he finger rolls it? You know, and there's that whole Jelly Fam thing, which Javon Quinterly was in and Nas Reed was in. They call him Big Jelly on the Timberwolves broadcast. And so I just, I went for it. King of the Jam goes Jelly because that's where the the Jelly thing comes from. Is it's there's no jam, it's Jelly. And so I just I dropped it in there and people seem to like it. The cool thing is, is like you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. So there have been, yeah. I've missed a few times this year. There's no doubt about it. And people are probably like, get this effing guy out of here with these puns and these lines. But <laughs> if it lands for a certain segment of the audience, to me, it's worth it. And if it yeah. gives someone something memorable that maybe they can, I don't know, tweet about, or like talk to their friends about like, Hey, did you hear that line? That was pretty funny. Then to me, it, it's worth it. Give me a give me a taste of the day in the life on the road. Like when you're on the road with the Celtics, you you have like a big West Coast swing. What's that like? 
So we were talking about this before, but the reason I'm wearing a hat right now is because I'm not a morning person. It's not like we're even in the morning, but I, I like to start my day late, you know? So oh, yeah. My, yeah, so my when, hair is when we said when we said we're gonna start recording at like one in the afternoon, I'm like, I got a coffee over here. I yeah, got exactly. like, yeah, I'm with you. So it's it's life in the NBA, dude, because you the games end late, and then a lot of the time we're traveling, we get home late. So my hair is a disaster right now. So I put the hat on. So anyway, the reason that's relevant to this is because I got this hat in Toronto. You can tell by the maple leaf. And it was my I didn't want to mess up my daily routine. I needed a hat. And I also couldn't go out in public with my current hair situation. So I went to the store <laughs> roots, which is like 800 feet from the hotel, bought a hat and then I could go about my business. What I like to do is go to a cafe or something, get a little taste of the town and finish up my prep for the game. And then I have to print my boards. So I usually do that early afternoon, get a workout in. The bus from the hotel to the arena usually leaves about two and a half hours before the game because we got to get there and settle in a little bit. And then Missoula talks um, an hour and a half before the game. And then, excuse me, we do the one-on-one -on -one interview. So got to be there for that. So it actually, it's amazing. Like the hours of the day sort of sort of disappear. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can relate to that, but it is really cool being on the road with the team. And Scal said the other night on the broadcast, like, you're always so happy, man. Like, you're the happiest guy yeah. I know. And I'm like, I appreciate that. I wish I were. I'm not always like this. But when you're traveling with an NBA team and you're in these arenas that are always packed, because even the road games, John, like, we we have a ton of Celtics fans at every game, mm -hmm. best fan base in the league. And it's always juiced up in there. It's like, and the basketball obviously is amazing. It's like, damn, this life is a dream. So being on the road with the Celtics is like the coolest thing I've ever done professionally. Um, and I'm always smiling. So you can, if you, if you're walking around in like Memphis and we're playing the Grizzlies that night, you'll probably see me in a coffee shop, like tapping away at my computer. Like that's <laughs> just, it's a really, really cool, cool job. Yeah, it is fun. I will say. So every day, every game when I'm out there, like national anthem, I am always looking around at the crowd. If you if you ever see me there, I'm always looking around at the national anthem. I'm always looking at how many people are in that arena. Yeah. And I look back down at the court, it looks so small in comparison right. to all of those people. And I just think like this is so cool to be out there doing what you love to do. Now, I played basketball and never ever in an arena that big. To to be out there and to be a basketball player and like, I'm going to play this game and I'm so freaking good at this that all of these people came to watch me. Like, I just think about that. I'm like, this has got to be the coolest feeling in the world. And like, yeah, to be part of that is, is amazing. This is, this is our way of being part of the NBA. So I, I totally feel that. Um, it's a super cool feeling. Um, so, all right, let's, let's talk a little bit of basketball, a little bit more basketball here. 40, 41 games in, uh, <laughs> I, I, I believe that the Celtics are in a class by themselves. Um, do you see that as Celtics as number one and kind of like a second tier behind them? Do you think there's, uh, a, a, another group that goes in there? How, how do you evaluate the Celtics here at, at the halfway point? You see them in a class by themselves, just in the East or in the NBA entirely? I think in the well, I'm in the East specifically, yeah. uh, but 
you know, in the NBA, I suppose like Denver can be can be in that mix just because, and that's who the Celtics play next. Uh, because Jokic is a, a ton of respect for Jokic. I think he should have been in the MVP last year and will be again this year. But I, I, I still, the way the Celtics are playing, they might even separate themselves. This, this, this game against Denver could be where it's like, oh, okay. If the Celtics can win that game and look good doing it, I think you might get the reaction from a lot of people afterwards, like ESPNs, that are be like, okay, Boston, Boston is in a class by themselves. Yeah, you know, I, I go back and forth on that because. Obviously, I I want the Celtics to win, right? And so I'm I'm biased toward them being the best. At the same time, it's just hard for me to put Denver anywhere but the first class based on what we saw last year. And, and even though they are different, they lost some some depth. I worry about their bench a little bit. It's very inexperienced. When you have Jokic and Murray, and and I think Aaron Gordon is you know, perennially mm-hmm. underrated. Like they, mm-hmm. I watched Nuggets games this year. And there are times when he's the best player on the floor. Like there was a, a six-minute stretch in a game a couple weeks ago where he was just dominating on both sides. Uh, Porter can get hot. Like they're just – everybody knows the Nuggets are really good. And so mm-hmm. I would say that they're in that class with the Celtics. But in, in terms of the East, I do think it's Boston and everybody else. Uh, Milwaukee, defensively, I just don't buy it. I know they crushed us at their place. But to me, I, I just don't think they're going to be able to get enough stops. And it's been a, a long-running argument on inside the NBA on TNT, which I always love watching. And Shaq's like, they can get timely stops. That's all that matters. Same thing that they did with the Lakers. And Barkley's like, they're just not good enough defensively. You can't flip the switch like that. And I'm really interested to see how that plays out. I tend to think that if you're 25th in defense or whatever they are, it's going to be really hard to crank it up enough to be good enough defensively to win the championship. But – they are really scary offensively, and they have one of the most clutch players in the NBA. With Philly, their metrics are off the charts, like almost as good as the Celtics, but I think their schedule's been a little lighter, and I think that when we get to the playoffs, they'll be most impacted by how the game changes. I don't think Embiid will be shooting 12 free throws a game in the playoffs. Could be wrong, but I think it's a little more physical. Um, it's a little slower. I don't know if Maxie's going to be quite as good in the postseason as he's in the regular season. So I think there you can you can ding the other contenders in the East. I mean, Indy now has Pascal Siakam. Maybe you think they're a contender, but I really don't. I don't think that moves the needle enough for them to be in that top three. And to me, the Celtics are pretty clearly the best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, and for a variety of reasons, like what we talked about earlier with how much the team loves playing with each other, I think that they can beat you in more ways offensively than in the past couple years, right? Like we talk about Missoula ball and can you make enough threes and will you live by the three and die by the three? I don't think the team lives and dies by the three anymore. And the mm-hmm. reason is Porzingis. Like he's such a cheat code. That's why I think he's actually going to be an all-star. Uh, because if I'm a coach, the guy who keeps me up at night the most when we're playing the Celtics is Porzingis. And he totally changes the calculus offensively. So if, if he's healthy, to me, they they should win the East. But as we know, like should and will are two yeah. different things because sometimes stuff gets in the way. Yeah, the Porzingis thing is a good call. Uh, he's he. It it if I have a fear, it's that he is almost too important to what the Celtics are are going to do, and because he's the biggest fear of injury risk still, yeah. um, that there's he he is like you said cheat code. He is that that guy that 
in a playoff series, especially when we were talking about earlier, the game slows down so much. You just give it to him. You find, you, you know, you run some of the actions that get him the post up at that free throw line or, you know, the mid post and you get him the ball and let him kind of cook. And he's a good enough passer where if, if they decide to double, he's going to find the open guy. And if that option's not there, then you rely on some of the stuff that has hurt the Celtics in the past, which is over-reliance on the isolation and trying to do too much from Tatum and Brown and, and yeah. the turnovers that, that, that kind of leads to the, the one thing that we haven't seen a ton of this year are the turnovers where guys get drawn too deep down low and, and live ball. And it goes the other way. That's, that's something the Celtics have cleaned up and it's because of Porzingis and, and white and holiday. And those guys, this is just an amazing team. Um, they're just so damn good. Uh, all right. I'm up against time. I got one more thing. Your Twitter bio says, ask me about my Corgi. So let's ask you about your Corgi. So Thor is my Corgi. I have all this Corgi memorabilia around <laughs> my place. And in fact, I'm glad you asked because look at my pants right now. Let's see if I can get my Corgi pants. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Corgis. I actually did that same move. The first time I hosted Sports Center. I was wearing Corgi socks, and one uh -huh. of the top 10 plays was a Corgi race. So nice. I demanded to do that play. I did the even numbers that day because it was number 10, which is BS. should have been number one. But it was number <laughs> 10. So I did that. And then at the end of the show, Jay Harris, who I was doing the show with, was like, so you're a big Corgi guy, huh? And I, I showed him my socks. I showed the world my socks. And uh, it's basically... My main personality trait, I would say, even more so than Syracuse, even more so than the fact that I talk about sports for a living, is the fact that I love corgis. So Thor is our family corgi. He's about three and a half years old. He's a very handsome, sweet boy. We <laughs> totally spoil him, but he deserves uh -huh. it. Sure. Uh, so, so it's corgis specifically. I love all dogs, and I sort of like cats too, but corgis specifically are number one mm -hmm. for me and it's funny because people are like they shed so much how can you have a corgi no oh. if you're if you're tough enough it's okay you can deal with the hair <laughs> you just gotta you just gotta man up and deal with the hair i am the biggest dog person as well yeah. so you I have got, one too. i got i got i got one sitting over here to my right chewing on a on a one of those stuffed bones uh he's a yeah. boxer mix oh. and i have uh <laughs> so we rescued this guy. His name is Teddy and mm. he's, he's like a 70 pound boxer mix. And my wife said, well, now I want one. And we oh. got her this little nine, 10 pound um, Yorkshire terrier mix. We rescued that yeah. guy. And now that guy is, I'm surprised he's not here whining at me. Uh, he's <laughs> always sleeping with us in bit like I, it's the wildest thing because like if, if my wife wanted to embarrass me, there's at some point every single night, me lying on my back with my arm like this and, and the little tiny thing just kind of sleeping and we're both like passed out always. And that's, uh, I put out, I put out, I made a meme. I made like an AI generator, like me, how I picture myself with dogs. And it was like me walking a pack of Rottweilers and how yeah. I actually am with dogs, which is me <laughs> with this little teacup thing. Like, Oh, little sweet guy. I can't. My my favorite story when it comes to a dog. I was I was at a bar in New York. I lived in New York for like seven years. I was with a friend of mine, 
and things got a little hot between my friend and somebody else. And we were, Ooh. it was getting like, it was getting a little heated. Ooh. So we did the right thing and we, we removed ourselves from the situation. Uh, but we were like, we left the bar and I was like really amped up. Like he, and he was looking at me like, okay, John, calm down. And there was a boxer puppy out there. And I immediately was like, Oh, can I pet your puppy? <laughs> oh my God. And he's like, what just happened? What yeah. You went from like roadhouse to like a puddle of like goo because yeah. there was a boxer puppy there. And I'm like, of course I did. That dude, did. that's how it is. Dogs are therapeutic. I, I think the same thing happens to me. And my rule for dogs is if I see a corgi out in public, I have to say hi. I must. Of course. Other breeds, like I really do love all dogs. And if there's a dog that like if we're eyeing each other up, I will absolutely say, hey, can I pet your dog? But if it's a corgi, I will aggressively approach somebody. <laughs> but I, I find that the same thing happens to me, JK, where when a dog looks at you and you get the chance to have that special bond with a puppy, nothing, nothing else better. matters. Yeah. Nothing better in the world. Everything's cool. And yeah, everything's all right in the world. Does it? Celtics could be on a big losing streak. Give me a puppy. I'm like, ah, it's all right. They'll win the next one. Yeah. Uh, so if you ever need right. someone to watch Teddy and the baby Yorkie, let me know. I'm here. All right. So Boom. Done. Yeah. All right. Uh, which sucks because you're always on the road. So yeah, like we pr probably need it for the same road games we're going to be on in the playoffs, but <laughs> that's all right. We'll figure it out. Uh, Drew Carter, I appreciate you. We'll have to have you back on because this, this flew by. Uh, so yeah. thanks for hopping on. Thanks, JK. Great, great chatting with you, man. That conversation, like the first half of the season, flew by. It was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little bit more about Drew and all of that stuff. He's a really good dude. And he is the new play-by-play -play guy. He's the future of Celtics play-by-play. -play. So uh, get to know him. He's, like I said, he's he's good. It's fun. I like his road broadcasts. They're a lot of fun. Him and Scal have a great uh, rapport. And I think he's off to a great start here in Boston. Well, I almost let that Rhode Island accent get going. Every once in a while, it wants to pop out. Uh, so thanks for Drew. For uh, Thanks to Drew for hopping on. And thanks to you for listening. Thanks to you. If you're a new listener, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you're an everydayer, you know I love you. You know you're the best. You're with me Monday through Friday. Friday night is Celtics Nuggets. That's going to say a lot about these two teams. And uh, you can listen to that on the SiriusXM app. You can get the Sean Grandy, Cedric Maxwell call on the SiriusXM app. After you're done listening to that game or watching that game, you can come back to me because I've got a bonus podcast, bonus post-game podcast for you after Celtics Nuggets. So go ahead and share this podcast to make sure everyone else is aware that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day.